Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, this is Jessica Matlin, the co-host of Fat Mascara, and you are listening to OPP. Bless everybody and welcome to another episode of OPP, Other People's Podcasts, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Jessica Matlin, beauty director at Harper's Bazaar and co-host of the award-winning beauty podcast, Fat Mascara. Each week on Fat Mascara, Jessica, along with our co-host, Jennifer Goldstein, interview their favorite people in the beauty industry like Christian Louis Vuitton to Charlotte Tillsbury, just to name a few. In this interview, I got to kick off my shoes and get comfy at Jessica's Manhattan apartment. I learned so much about Jessica, about her upbringing in New Jersey, how she got into the beauty editorial industry. She gives me personal skincare tips. And of course, we get into her dope podcast, Fat Mascara. So allow me to introduce you to the amazing and wonderful Jessica Matlin. Jessica, yo, what's up? Hi. What's poppin'? Nothing's popping. Just <laughs> sitting on my couch. It's a, it's a very pleasant reunion here. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy to see you. Well, it's been it's been a couple of months since we last like reconnected. It was cold out. It was, it was cold out. It was snow out actually. I think. Oh my god, there was snow because I remember was. like almost like eating it on the way there. No, yeah. I remember I bought some Jordans. <laughs> I bought some fresh Jordans for the event, and then I was so hot because oh. I was like, "Yo, I'm in these fresh Jays." <laughs> And it's like a blizzard outside. You did have a cool outfit. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And I was just, I felt like so uptight. I was like, I hope I say the right thing. Nah, you were fly. All those panel things, I feel like I'm on autopilot. Nah, your swag game really? was on point. Really? I felt very like Tracy Flick. Like, our podcast started in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, no. you know what it is? You're really good at giving a direct answer. Mm. That's a skill set yeah. in itself. No, I, I've been told sometimes I'm too direct and it comes off mean, but I don't mean it to be mean. No, no. You know, I think it's a very like New York thing. I don't want to waste people's time. Right. And, you know, it's, a, it's a very New York thing where uh, I did a podcast interview a couple of weeks ago and I was like, wow, this person here knows how to move in a New York way. Because like she was answering questions like, bang, boom, <laughs> bow. And I was like, yes, let's go. Next yeah. question. I, I'm pretty direct, but I have a feeling if you ask me some questions now, I might like str- like struggle for the answers because I'm rarely on this side of the mic. Well, well, I think this also helps. The fact that you are working in media yeah. Right. Like, so you're working in the journalism, like media content world mm-hmm. also allows you to have a little insight into how to answer a question. So many people aren't yeah. really media trained. Yes. I think I'm pretty good at it. Like you kind of, well, I mean, this isn't really that edited, but you ask the question with the answer. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 Yes. So it's so good to have you here. You know <laughs> what I mean? Thanks for having me. Yo, so, so tell me, where, where are you from originally? I'm from New Jersey, from Ju- suburban New Jersey. Well, where in Jersey? It's called Marlboro. Oh, I've heard of Marlboro. Is it's that like, like Center? It's like yeah, Central? Yes, yes. Yeah, I've heard of it. A lot of like, people haven't heard of it, yeah. Like, it's like that part where like you can't make a left turn. You can't make, you can make a right on red. 
I don't know about the left turn thing. There's a lot of delayed green lights, which you don't have so much in the city. Yeah, it is, it's a part of Jersey that just has like really awkward like traffic. But I'm also not a driver. I have my license, but I haven't driven in 10 years. Wait, you have not driven a car in 10 no, years? No, no. I want, I want to learn again. How can again? that be? Because you said learn again. Yeah, I, I, I need to learn again. I'm just so happy I don't have to take the test again because I remember the test being really hard. No, so I I drove a little bit when I was a teenager, like 17, maybe like, but just a little bit. I didn't have my own car. And then I went to school and I didn't have a car at school. And then I moved to the city like a few weeks after I graduated. Then I moved to London and I certainly wasn't going to drive there. It's like all stick. And I was like already starting to be a really bad driver. Oh, Lord. And then I moved back and I took one driving lesson here in the city. By the way, it was like a fortune for this like driving lesson. And I had like almost a panic attack. So I haven't driven. I mean, what are you going to do if you ever have to move to LA? Um, I, that's one of the reasons people talk about like, if you want to move to LA, I'm like, absolutely not. Because I feel like it would be like that scene in Clueless where like, he's like, you're getting on the freeway. Look, thank, thank goodness for Uber though. Yeah. No, Uber, Uber made me feel like I can, I can delay this a little bit longer. I mean, well, anywhere you move now, you can just take your phone and yeah. get a nap. I know, I know. But I do, I do want to learn to drive again. I do like, it's, it's embarrassing. But where'd you go to school? Like college, college. Rutgers. Oh, Rutgers. Yo, yeah. like, you Jersey true. <laughs> I you just like, so. yo, I'm, I'm staying in state. <laughs> I don't think I had a choice. My parents said, if you get into Rutgers, you're going. And I was, I, I knew I was going to get into Rutgers. What so. was your major? Um, Two majors. I was double major. Whoa, it was called jur- overachiever. Yes, it's called journalism and mass media, which now if you're a student at Rutgers, it's just called, some, it's called something else. Journalism and mass media, it's kind of a weird thing. And then I was also an art history major, which okay. is not very useful in a, the world, but I think it was... It was useful. It teaches you how to write and how to understand aesthetics and history in, no, I, in aesthetics. I studied art history in high school. Oh, yeah. Do you love it? Um, it, was, it was one of those things that it helps you in ways that is not practical in your day-to-day. Yeah. But it helps you in an enhanced way. Yeah. When you don't really, when you really need it. Yeah. I think it Like learning you... churroscuro. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think, Randomness. yeah. It, I think, I don't know. I, I just did it because I loved it. And then I realized that that was kind of like... It was a joke, not a joke of a major, but I didn't realize that people were making fun of it until I moved to the city. I mean, you just have to go into like working for a museum or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or start a podcast about, <laughs> or have a podcast, essentially. Uh, wait, so so tell me okay. more about, uh, what was your college experience like? Did you enjoy it? Oh my God. Um, so I feel badly for my, if, if any of my friends are listening who went to college and I'm like, oh, I didn't like it. And they're like, oh, we had fun. Or like, we became friends. Like I made some good friends, but it was not great. It was really not great. Um. I went to Rutgers the first year. Well, I met the guy I liked in like the first day orientation became my boyfriend. So that was cool. So that was like the highlight. I felt, I think I was like ready for it. Um, (laughs) And he was, he was very cute. And then I don't know, Rutgers, the thing about Rutgers is that it's such a big school. It lacks identity. Yeah. So you really have to find people who you vibe with. And when there's so many people, and if you're not somebody who's like super extroverted, it can be hard. When I hear about people who go to like small liberal art schools, you know, I'm like, yeah. what the hell is, you know, and, and there's like a sense of things about it. Rutgers, I didn't feel like there was any things. I felt like I was just in a massive, massive high school. And then when that thing happened to me, I felt like, oh shit, like this is not, this is not the experience that I thought I was going to have in college. 
So like I'm Jersey True, but I was like, I need to get out of this <laughs> I need place. To get out. Jersey like through. a media. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey True, but I'm Jersey, Jersey through. through. Yeah, yes. age 19. I've seen enough. Well, what did I mean? I think that's fascinating okay. that you mentioned that about Rutgers because I typically look, I think of schools that have a brand or an association to them. Like, you know, UVA is like... I went to a writing program at UVA before my senior year, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yo, and Rutgers UVA, was like the polar opposite. Yo, UVA is the most beautiful campus. So beautiful. Oh, man. It's like... That's what colleges are supposed to look like. It, no, exactly. It's like the most cookie cutter yeah. like experience. Of green. Like green, beautiful lawn mm-hmm. and like historic buildings constructed by Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. But, but the schools have a brand to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Rutgers and, didn't and have a brand. Maybe they have one now, but... Um, I mean, at the time, like the football team was definitely not good. And I'm not a football person, but it was, I don't know. I just felt like I was like a cog in a machine and like, you know, I could just, I could like not show up to anything or be social with anyone. No one would really notice. This is the question I really wanted to ask you. Okay. And the question is. Who does your brows? (laughs) Great brows. Just kidding. (laughs) The the question I really wanted to ask you was, as a black man, Mm -hmm. we don't talk about skincare. Yeah. Uh, a lot of brothers, we just that's something we even have to we just think about. But what could black men do or men do in general to maintain skin maintenance? Skin maintenance. I think I a I'm amazed by how many men, and this is all men, this is all men, don't like wash their face. They think like it's getting washed in the shower. When no. They, you don't use a cleanser? Um, I use like a bar of soap in my washroom. No, okay, no, no. That's whack? Eh, eh, that is whack. You don't use bar soap on your face unless it's like a Dove bar or like a, a gentle, like a basis bar. Okay. You need something for your face that's going to cleanse without over drying. Is, is there, is there, are you allowed to say a product that you yeah. would recommend? Um, I think, I mean, this, such, this is so boring, but like Cetaphil. Um, I don't know if they make a bar. They might do, but like it's just like a liquid soap. Yeah. It's probably about like $8 at CVS or okay. something, but it'll last you a really long time. Just cleanse. And then I would moisturize. But if you, you know, some guys, like my dad just started moisturizing when he was like 65 or something. Maybe it was like 70 he started because he thought it was like for girls. <laughs> he thought that it was like too like metro. So he'd hit like the bar of soap. Oh my God. The dial soap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's painful. It? Yeah, yeah. He And it's not like my mom didn't have stuff there. He just like thought that it was like for ladies, you okay. know? Um, you need to... I would, I honestly, I know that you're not going to do this because most men don't do this, but I think you need a, a moisturizer with SPF. I'm sorry. I just think okay. we all need it. Skin okay. cancer is real. It does not matter what your ethnicity. Okay. You want to protect yourself from those nasty UV rays. And if not for your health, at least for your vanity, because we get uh, like, you know, pigmentation, wrinkles. So an SPF with, I, I know you're not going to like this, like an SPF 30. Okay. But I'm not suggesting you go get like the copper tone and put on this thing. It's just in your moisturizer. And I can give you some recommendations. But okay. like Nivea for men is great. Neutrogena for men. Kiehl's makes a great one if you want like more manly products. But, you know, all products are really gender neutral. So it's just like what the vibe you want. And then um, I'm not going to suggest for men, like some men use eye cream and stuff. I feel like we're starting with the baseline. I'm using uh, Dial to wash my face. So my starter kit is your cleanser. Okay. And then your your day cream, the day cream that sounds so feminine, but your moisturizer with okay. SPF and get a little scrub, get a little like exfoliator 
use that, especially if you're shaving, like, you know, those like ingrowns. Yeah, of course. You got to like oh, keep, you have to keep the curse. Right. And then there's pigment issues around that gets like dark, you know, you really want to keep the skin baby smooth. I would exfoliate once or twice a week. And then if you want to use a moisturizer at night, that's great. I wouldn't use the same one that has the SPF. It's not going to hurt you, but like why put that ingredient on your face if you don't need it? So we're really talking about four products here. Okay. Okay. Because I always feel like something that we just never talk about or just know anything about. There is. We talked about this on Fat Mascara. And forgive me, I don't remember the name of the brand, but I can come back to you. But there is like, there are more skincare lines for, you know, people of color because of like pigmentation issues. And there's one that started by two black men. And I'm forgetting the name, but it was all about like pigmentation things. And, um, you know, I think that's the main differentiator when it comes to like, you know, People, we can all use Cetaphil. We, we can all use all this stuff, but it is really cool that people are being more targeted about problems and like being like, hey, like I see you and like we've got a f- solution. Being a busy person, you know, having, yeah. having, having an, an important job and having, you know, a marriage and having to just be a yeah. normal human too. You know, how, how do you maintain, uh, you know, your presence and My your presence? Glow? Oh, well, I, I do try. Okay. I try to get a lot of sleep <laughs> because if I don't, I'm a cranky bitch. Like I really, I've realized I need like nine hours of sleep. Oh, you need like. Yeah. Oh no, I need sleep. <laughs> like a okay. thorough night. Yeah. That's like half the day. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically a cat. <laughs> so I, I do need that sleep. Um, I am trying to draw boundaries or like not, you know, it's funny. You said to me like, oh, what did you say? Like, oh, I'm like direct with my answers. Yes. Cause I feel like. I don't want to waste people's time and I'm trying to get more efficient about everything I do. So like, I want to leave the office at six. I don't think that's like, normally that's kind of like frowned upon in some places or oh, like, you know, suddenly it's 7.15. I want to like get in, work hard, get out and then focus on doing like preserving myself a little bit because when I don't preserve myself and that might mean just get a good night's sleep or exercise something I need to be better at. Um, I can't be coming home at eight something and then like being up late and then this cycle of just feeling shitty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I do like to, I, I, there's not enough time in the world. I just, I want to spend time with my husband. I want to spend time with my friends, my family. I'd like to exercise. I already said that, but it's really weighing on me. <laughs> um, and then I have a podcast too. So that's a like second job. When I was, coming up early that I didn't realize about creativity and, yeah. and being a creative was that, yes, like I like to rap, but I yeah. didn't pers- necessarily know about having to brand yourself or to pick a genre of direction of rap I wanted to go. I was like, I'm going to rap on this beat and this beat and this beat. Yeah. Um, but as I get older, I realize that uh, I'm always intrigued by how people decide to go about branding themselves and sticking to one topic. Like a style or a like, style. A, like a rhythmic style or like, or just topics. Like I rap about. Right. So, I mean, I, I think if you take someone like Drake, right? Yeah. Drake is, I make music uh, like rap love songs. Yeah. 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 In a nutshell, he may come yeah. out sometimes and give you a hard rap song, but overall. But it's never like that angry. Right. It's never, exactly. <laughs> it's never like, I'm not angry. I'm yeah. cool. And I make rap love songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? Um, or with Kanye West was like, especially in his early days, I make music that's like soulful. I make yeah, soulful yeah, rap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in your career, you've gone with uh, beauty and skincare. Yeah. Uh, what, how did you make the decision to go that route? Um, so I was always really interested as a kid in like beauty and fashion. Like I thought 
for like five minutes, I would be a fashion designer. And then PS, like you didn't ask this, but it's just like this funny story. My grandma worked in the garment district as a seamstress, like okay. her whole life. And I went to work with her a couple of times and I was like, oh, this is not how I thought it was like on TV. <laughs> I really was like waiting for Gianni Versace to like come into the room. Right, right. It's just, you know, a bunch of women working really hard. Unfortunately, there are not as many of them anymore, like because everything is like not really done here anymore. There isn't really a garment district the way there was. But um, so fashion, I've kind of, I soured on that quickly because I saw like, Oh, like fashion is only glamorous if you're, you know, Gianni Versace, you know? Um, and then, and even then probably the, it's not really that glamorous for the people who are working there. Um, and then beauty, I just always was attracted to like the advertising, the products. My mom wasn't like a crazy makeup junkie, but she had a lot of stuff. I liked going through her, you know, gifts with purchase and things like that. And as I got older, I realized, I mean, I think I'm, I don't know if I would have put it this way at that time, but it was, you know, it fit. Like I was like not a super thin kid. So, and it was the nineties. So I always felt a little alienated by fashion. Like, oh, like, you know, that's not going to look good on me, but lipstick always fits. Mascara always fits. Fragrance always fits. And also is it more accessible? So once I started working, I was really dazzled by, and I don't know what this says about me, but um, I was really dazzled by the fact that I could get like the nicest thing. I could get like a Chanel compact, which at that time was probably like $48 with the money that I made from like waitressing or working at the mall. And that made me feel really special. And that made me feel like, well, you know, there may be things that my peers have that I don't have. Um, you know, I didn't have, I mentioned before, like, I didn't have a car. I didn't, you know, do certain things I wanted to do, but I felt like, the bee's knees that I had like all of the nicest beauty stuff, but I really liked it, you know, like, so it was just kind of like a bonus. Yeah. And I liked kind of that accessible luxury and that feeling of like, I'm going to treat myself. So that's really like why I fell in love with beauty. Just that kind of that feeling of self, like I'm going to do this for myself. And it actually doesn't cost that much. Um, so did you ever have the, the desire to want to be a makeup artist or and that way and how did you yeah come that you were going to do this in the world of media I thought I would want to be a makeup artist when I was in high school but I had it in my head that like I had to go to Emerson College because that's where Bobby Brown went because <laughs> they, they had a theatrical makeup program and I was like oh so she had, you know theatrical makeup and then Bobby and it, it all makes sense and you know I was like I said if I got into Rutgers I wasn't going any, anywhere else but Rutgers so yeah. I didn't go to Emerson um I went to you know, Rutgers and I, I loved writing. So that wasn't a new thing. Like in college, in high school, I went to like UVA for this writing program. I was always into writing. And then I saw that I could merge the two, especially when I got my first internship. I, I always knew there was like a beauty person at a magazine. But when I saw this woman who was the beauty director at Jane Magazine, which does not exist anymore, but if anyone is listening you either remember how cool it was or like, I'm telling you, it was the coolest. It was like a women's magazine that wasn't really women's. It was very like cool and chatty and very like alternative. <laughs> and the beauty director, I saw what she was doing every day for a job and what she was writing. And I was like, that's what I need to do. And then I became very singularly focused on that. We're going to take a quick break. Jessica, when we get back, we're going to get to your podcast, Fat Mascara. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we back. Hi. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Okay, so hold on. Tell me first how you first discovered the medium of podcasting. Um, I think I always, not didn't always know, like <laughs> from birth, what a podcast was. But it had been in my like mind before I started listening to them. And then I remember like looking on my phone or my computer, and I saw like, oh, these are radio shows, and I kind of got it. And then when I met my husband, obviously he was just like my boyfriend or you know somebody I was dating. He was really into this podcast, um, WTF with Mark Marin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would always tell me about it. And then I started listening to it. And I became hooked. Hooked. He's an amazing interviewer. Isn't he the best? Oh, he's so captivating. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what his technique is. I've thought about it. And I'm like, mm, I think that's just him. I mean, he brings himself into it a lot, which I really enjoy. Some people don't like that about him, but I love that. Well, I, I think to be a great interviewer, and I think something that he's mastered, and some of the same thing I like with Oprah as well, mm-hmm. is that they've mastered being number one inquisitive. Yeah. But they've num- but also inquisitive with a way of you can trust them. Totally. Oh I yeah. Feel like when you're like I'm sitting down, I always with tell Mark Oprah. anything. Yes, I'll tell him anything. <laughs> and it's like they they really master that skill. Yeah, he makes himself vulnerable too. And I guess, you know, Oprah does that as well. well. Um, But anyway, I fell in love with Mark and I was listening to episodes where I didn't even know the person. Like, and because at the time he was doing like really just a lot of comedians Mm -hmm. and I'm not like a comedy nerd or anything, but I was like, oh, this is so great. And then sometimes there'd be somebody that I knew, but I fell in love with it. And I, then I also fell in love with um, like, please don't at me controversial opinion, but like, I love Brett Easton Ellis, the writer. Yeah. I love his, I, he had a podcast on podcast one at the time. Now he has a podcast on Patreon. Um, but the podcast one, he interviewed everyone from like Kanye West to like Marilyn Manson to Molly Ringwald. And they would just have conversations about art. So those were the two ones I was listening to and they are music and all that. And I thought, I want to do one of these for beauty. And I looked for the one and I didn't find anything that was like quite like that. So I got really inspired by the genre. Yeah. So when did you make that decision that you were going to start, uh, start your podcast? Um, like I, I remember just like being in my studio apartment thinking, where's one for beauty and looking at it. And it was just like, there was a bridal thing. There was something that looked very, um, not authoritative And I was like, this is an empty space. And I was just like, it was very clear. It wasn't like, should I do this? It was very clear that I, I wanted to do this because I've pictured, oh, I'm going to like have these like long intellectual chats with, uh, (laughs) my podcast isn't like that now, (laughs) but it was like just me and, you know, Terry DeGunsberg, who's like this amazing makeup artist and brand founder. And it was just kind of like, I could see it. It was seemed so natural and one of the parts of my job that I really love is meeting beauty professionals because very often they have really cool stories. They're not from where you thought they're from. Some of them have really struggled, which I find inspiring, you know, with the, the, if they've overcome it. And, you know, I wanted to talk more, more to these people and not like in my office with 40 people like walking past me, you know? yeah. <laughs> like more intimate setting. Uh, what were the first steps uh, for you to get the podcast going? I had a friend or I have a friend, Angie, and she had a a book podcast called Lit Up, L-I-T, Up. And 
I, she, you know, I thought it was so cool that she had a podcast and I told her about my idea. I said, you know, do you think that maybe like your people might be interested in it? I remember feeling like a little cagey about it. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to connect you with, you know, her producer. So I can, I, I wrote this producer, this like what I, I laugh about it because when I think about, you know, I eventually became like friendly with her. It was such a formal email. Like I didn't know, I thought I was sending it to like the head of like Sony records, you know? <laughs> and it's just this really cool girl. She said, come in. And I remember I came in, I remember like I took the day off of work because I didn't want my boss to know that I was leaving. I was like, I don't know if I'll be there for 30 minutes or three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I took the day off work and I went and I pitched her the idea and she's like, I love it. And I was like, cool. I'm sure you need to like run it up the flagpole, like bring it to your team. She's like, no, I'm the person who decides. She's like, I love it. But she said, you need a partner. And I didn't know. I didn't even think about that. I just pictured like the Mark Maron or Brett Easton Ellis format, like one-on-one. She said, we realize, we think that partner duos do the best. Because at that time, that this company that we were recording with, they had a lot of podcasts and they were all duos. So uh, one thing led to another and I spoke to my friend, Jen, who I just like was starting to really trust as a, like a work friend. Like we weren't like chatting on the phone at night, friends, but I thought she was cool and I really enjoyed like seeing her at events. And I ran my idea by her and I said, you know, I think I need someone like, like you, but I figured she couldn't do it because she was, she was a Hearst. I was at Hearst at the time and I still am, but that I did like a boomerang. She had a job at Hearst and I figured like, this is something where I need a freelancer, someone with a bit more like of a loose schedule. Yeah. And I, I know I was prepared to talk to my boss about it, but I thought my boss might be like, I don't think so. And I was just going to deal with that when, you know, the day came, but she was like, no, I think I could do it. And both of us asked our bosses and it was, you know, from there we were off to the races and then we started recording. We did some test episodes to make sure that we were okay together on the mic and it wasn't super awkward and it felt good. And then we've been recording every single week for the past three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. I know. I, it's so funny when I think it was over three years ago, I'm like, I don't think when I started it, I thought like we'd still be doing it. One question I have, I'm always intrigued by people who come from kind of a, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes mm-hmm. journalism perspective to yeah. now all of a sudden have to be on a microphone and be the face. Yeah. Um, instead of like maybe writing a, a story in particular. Yeah. How were you able to adjust being the face and the voice uh, of Fat Mascara? Right. Versus like a, a byline where yes. it's just my name. Um, you know, I don't want to sound narcissistic, but like I really like it. But like yeah. I, I like... I I I like that there's somebody like me out, you know, in the beauty space. I think that like I'm I think I'm pretty normal. I mean, I don't know, you might leave here and be like, that girl is weird. But, weird. No, no, <laughs> but I think I'm pretty all. normal. I think I'm pretty down to earth, but I love beauty. I love love the industry. I'm not twenty two. I'm not trying to be an influencer. Um I I think that, you know, there when I started it, like the influencer thing was definitely happening, but I knew I wasn't going to listen to be so weird if all of a sudden I was like trying to be some cute influencer, like giving peace signs and like, in like, you know, rented clothes or bar, you know, yeah. bar clothes. Like that's not who I am. So I just feel like I'm representing myself as I am. And I don't know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with myself. So, you know, for reasonably comfortable with myself. Uh, you're 160, if I'm not mistaken, 167 or something episodes in. Yeah, yeah, something like um, that, yeah. What guests that you had on the show uh, surprised you the most? Um, 
Mario, this guy's like Mario. I'm gonna always, I always pronounce his name wrong. Dadivanovich, Novik. Who is that? He is like he's better known as Makeup by Mario, and okay. he's Kim Kardashian's makeup artist, and he's been with her since the start. Like since like no one would talk to Kim Kardashian. Like oh. he was been working with her, and he was really calm, humble. Did not seem like hungry for the spotlight. Um, he's from the Bronx and like my parents are from the Bronx. So like, not that I'm like some Bronx girl, but like his, the story that he was, how he was describing his upbringing and his wishes and like his dreams of success and like just being something was, I found like really relatable and heartwarming. It wasn't like, oh, he was, his parents were the right people. And, you know, it, it just felt like he, he really worked to make, he started at like Sephora, like, I just loved his story. Um, Bobby Brown is like a, she's like a tough lady, but she's very cool and funny. And, you know, her brand, she's no longer with her brand anymore, but is very like, kind of like all American, whatever that means now, but, you know, very like kind of wholesome. And I think Bobby has an edge to her that I really, really like that I, I didn't expect. Uh, I wanted to to ask uh, the question of, you're able to, monetize your show one thing for a lot of podcasters uh they struggle with they love the medium they love interviewing people but they don't know how to monetize yeah how did you figure out how to be able to have sponsors for your podcast and what's the strategy behind getting sponsors for your podcast for other podcasters listening so we had you know the advantage of you know you and i were talking about this before like either doing diy or working with an organization that, you know, obviously you have to share some of your interest with, but like the first company we work with, they had this stable of podcasts. So they would get advertisements. Like they came to us, they're like, Oh, you know, this vitamin company or this tampon company wants to do an ad with you. You just need to do the read and then you'll get a cut of this. And it was like, Oh, okay. You know? (laughs) And now we're with a different company and we, we work with a company called, if I, if I can say it, um, ACAST, A-C-A-S-T. And they're a European company, but they have like offices here and they are like, they're the people who field all the advertisements for us. And that's really helpful because, you know, Jen, my co-host and I, we do have day jobs. So it's, we don't have to manage those relationships versus Jen and I going out to like, you know, Brooklyn and being like, you know, advertising our podcast. Yeah. So it, it's really awesome to have a team who does this. Uh, we are though working more and more with brands who we just know the people through the beauty industry and trying to do special projects with them, whether that's an event, like we've done some events. So it's not a sponsor, it's not an audio ad, but we've done events with like Nexus and Davines and St. Ives and really building, uh, it's a cliche, but like a community of our listeners because beauty is social. You know, we're not doing a podcast about, you know, divorce or to death. You know, we're doing a podcast about, treating yourself and solving problems, some big, some small, and having these really amazing people in the beauty industry. I really do think the beauty industry has some of just like really warm, creative people who just, they have a, they have an energy that I really like. And we want to create something where, you know, people feel like they have some, some pals and they have 
you know, a place to kind of like kick back, like a little, like a, like a cheers, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe without like the alcohol. Did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, with, with mascara. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like none of this stuff is really that important. Um, I mean, so listen, if you have like a skin condition or something like that, like I'm not saying this stuff doesn't matter. Products do matter. Dermatologists help people. Surgeons help people. But by and large, when I say a beauty, um, I just feel the need to clarify because you just never know who's listening. Um, it should be like light and fun. Uh, so, but myself, when I got into podcasting, I was, um, not a podcaster before, mm-hmm. or, you know, I was a songwriter. Then I wanted to get, uh, so cool. working. Yeah, I love songs. It's so cool. Write some songs. <laughs> uh, but podcasting has really enhanced my professional career in the, uh, spaces that I'm in. Yeah. How has podcasting, uh, expanded or improved your brand personally or your experience working in the beauty industry? Oh, it's, it's been great because you get to know people on just a little bit of a, of a deeper level. You know, I'm Mark Marin talks about this a lot. Like he's like, he's not trying to have a beer with all the people who are on his podcast, you know, like it, very often it's one and done, but once in a while he does like vibe with someone like such a nerd. He really became friends with Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I feel like with our podcast, you, you get to know people over like the course of an hour. It just feels a little bit different. So maybe I'll see them at an event next time. And it's not like they don't know who I am. Um, or I feel comfortable at like just on a professional level, like asking them to help with stories where, you know, most most people do want to be featured in the media. So it wasn't like twisting their arm, but I can just pop them an email or send them a text. And then a couple of people, you know, and it's not a lot, but a couple of people have become like friends. And that's really, um, I don't know, it's, it's really nice. It just makes the industry feel smaller. And, you know, it was certainly not strategic in that way. Like, oh, I'm going to become friends with all these people. Yeah. But, but I definitely did want to know people on a level that was different than meeting them in the lobby of um, Cosmo or Teen Vogue for 10 minutes. And then there's somebody else who's like, you know, seems just like who I am. And I don't, I don't know, I feel a little bit different than... Hopefully everyone just feels a little bit different than everyone else, but I felt like I need I need my own moment. Jessica, we we have hit a, a point in the show called our podcasters picks. And this is when I ask today's subject uh, to give me three podcasts that they enjoy and describe them to the audience. So just three, just three. Uh, okay, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I I do really love the Mark Maron podcast. Um, even if he has people on it that you don't really know, sometimes like. I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll save that for like the end of the week because I want to get through other things first. And then I listen to it. I'm like, oh, I should have listened to this that day. Or like I needed this because they talk about some like a family thing or a work thing or like just some human spirit thing where it doesn't matter that you're not a fan of like that person's, you know, <laughs> a super fan of that person's work. So I think he's great. I think he gets into great conversations. Love the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. It's on Patreon. You have to pay for it. Um, he interviews one person it's every two weeks and you have to use one person usually it's like some behind the scenes person in film or like books or something but i just think that like he gets really he has really good conversations with people and he talks a lot about film and music and just where things are in the culture and even if you know he's very polarizing even if you don't agree with him i always find the conversation very like okay yeah all right you know like i find myself like nodding or be like I don't know about that. Like, I just feel like invested in it. Um, 
And then, and he's just also a great writer. So his monologues are awesome. And then the last one, I really have been, <laughs> this sounds so like Pollyanna, but I've been listening to this podcast called Happier by Gretchen Rubin. What's that about? So she is, um, she does it with her sister. She wrote this book 10 years ago called like that, the happiness project. And it sounds so like twee, but it was like every day she did something to make herself happier. And it might be like organizing your desk. Don't look at my desk right now. Or like, you know, <laughs> eating a meal like on a real plate versus a paper plate. Just like little things to make you feel better. And I remember reading it and getting like made fun of. And I was like, whatever, I'm just trying to be fucking happier. Like, you know, who cares? And this this podcast is a spinoff of, of her book. And she's done subsequent books that are similar. And it might be like 10, 15 minutes. She's taught her sister's the co-host where she talks about like how to, the one thing you need to do to improve your relationship or how to make the workday not, you know, feel horrible, yeah, you yeah. know? And there are little things and sometimes they're like, okay, all right, you know? And then sometimes they're like, oh, wow. Like one thing she said recently was like getting rid of, it's called like the wart and that sounds so gross, but it's the thing that you see and that annoys you. And like we're sitting in my living room right now. See those boxes over there? Yeah. They have been there for like, we're going past a month now. And every time I see them, I feel deep shame that I haven't like addressed them. It's like the wart in the room. It's, well, there's a few warts in the room right now, <laughs> but like her, she, her, her thing would be like, you're going to feel like, what's stopping you? And I'm like, I can think about what's stopping me, but like, this is not rocket science. I can put those away or I can deal with them and I'll be in a better mood when this room doesn't look like it's like a storage unit. The last question is, why do you podcast? Why do I podcast? Oh, it's heavy. Um, I like connecting with people. I like understanding like what, you know, be the beauty podcast, like fat mascara, like it's, it is a lot of practical like tips and this and that. But I, I like the parts where we like get a little something out of them. That's like, oh, I know you're like that. Or like, that's interesting. I didn't know that about your background. Like I like to learn about people in a way that I don't think we necessarily do day to day. Mm. I don't, that wasn't super eloquent, but I, I just, I like, but to it was sure, strong. I like to understand people. <laughs> and then and it helps you understand Mark. Mark Maron says this all the time. He's like, he under, he, he kind of used it as like his therapy. Like he understood other people and then it kind of makes you feel either comforted or learn something about yourself or realize that you need to change something. You know, it's, I don't know. I like to chat to people. Jessica Matlin, it's such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for coming. You're mad cool. Ah. <laughs> the minute we met at On Air Fest. Oh, Martin, my God. Like, yo, there's a vibe. I, can't, I, know, I came home. I was like, vibe, I met the yo. coolest guy. <laughs> <to> my husband. <laughs> I was like, you don't understand. He's really cool. <laughs> no, it, it's such an honor. Thank you so much for inviting uh, me in your beautiful home. Oh, and, thank and you. You're the best. Thank you. We rocking out. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Jessica Matlin. Be sure to check out her podcast, Fat Mascara, and I provide the links to that in the description of this episode. If you enjoy OPP, please be sure to leave us a nice rating on the podcast app and show us some love in the comments section. Let me know your favorite podcast and who you think we should have as a guest on OPP. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. 
Music for this podcast is produced by Richie Quake. And lastly, before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I provide the links to that in the description of this episode as well. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pop bless y'all. Till next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.